Mike check, Mike check. It's Yael Osaski here, Deputy Director of the Consumer Choice Center. You'll hear me every Friday at 9.30 on the Mornings with Joe Catanacci Show, giving you the latest in consumer news, analysis, and political topics to make sure you get your consumer fix. Then hear me and my radio partner in crime, David Clement, on the Consumer Choice Radio Show, Saturdays at 10. Only here on the Big Talker 106.7 FM. Every Friday, just after 9.30, our friend Yael Lasowski joins us from the Consumer Choice Center, and he is with us on the phone line here this morning. Yael, it's always a pleasure, my friend. I hope uh, your week has been as good as it could be as uh, you remain locked down in Vienna, Austria. Yeah, things are going a tad bit better, Joe. It's good. I'm, I'm not wearing a Blue Shark Vodka t-shirt as you are, uh, kind of <laughs> doing some good pitching, but... Yeah, things are things are okay here. Uh, hopefully, the the people on the the Facebook page and the comments won't savage me too much this week. Well, as uh, I made mention, as soon as uh, we got done with our conversation, well, not as soon as we got done, but a couple of hours later, I know I sent you a text message that maybe made you a little jelly as I was enjoying uh, a nice frosty uh, adult beverage at one of the fine establishments that you and I uh, both had an opportunity to visit when you came here to Wilmington uh, a couple months back. Yeah, I know that's that's something that we still cannot do uh, in my part of the world, unfortunately. You know, we're getting that incremental freedom back, <laughs> just clawing our ways back to the normal freedoms that other people are enjoying around the world. It's still something that galls me, and uh, it, it really confuses a lot of people because, again, we're not following the science on much of this stuff, and uh, we've ceded a lot of authority to our, our political leaders, and uh, not really sure how this ends, but hopefully we can continue to keep people accountable and make sure we can get things up and running when that time comes. Would you rather be in a position where you're in now or in, like, uh, say, Bristol, Tennessee and Bristol, Virginia, where the state line literally goes through uh, the middle of the street uh, that separates the city from one state to another? And on one side of the road, uh, restaurants and bars have to close at nine. On the other side of the road, there is no curfew. So business owners are watching their clientele uh, move after last call to the other establishments uh, so those businesses can thrive while yours, uh, you know, uh, well, watch uh, the dollars uh, flow out the door uh, because of uh, government lockdowns and restrictions. No, I definitely move with my feet and uh, I, I would <laughs> pick the freer area. I mean, for me, I'm in a situation where they just opened up the barbers and I'm able to go get my hair cut, but I need to show up with a negative COVID test uh, that has been the PCR which uh, involves the very long Q-tip down the throat that is the most uncomfortable, unpleasant experience you could ever have. So uh, haven't done it yet, but uh, hopefully, um, you know, maybe next week I'll be talking to you and my ears will be lowered a bit. Well, uh, with that said, we wish you luck on that and uh, on the, on your uh, you know test uh, after you've been sitting in your apartment for the better part of the last several months. So I'm not really sure how uh, you could get exposed to, to you know a viral infection when it's just you, your wife, and your daughter. Uh, but I guess you know the science tells us something different. Well, somebody's got to go buy the Hot Pockets at the store, so <laughs> that's me. <laughs> Yael Lasowski with us from the Consumer Choice Center. Yael, we've talked uh, at length uh, about your work uh, following the World Health Organization, of course, uh, through an executive order, uh, President Biden. President Biden uh, moved back uh, the U.S. Uh, back into the organization after President Trump withdrew the U.S. Uh, from the WHO. Give us a little backdrop on the World Health Organization in your studies and research into this uh, agency, uh, basically an arm of the United Nations. 
what have you found and discovered over the course of the last number of years in your investigation? So this really started going back and looking at where the World Health Organization was using its resources. And when we think of a global health body, the reason it exists is to really help foster some kind of response to global crises or global emergencies related to health. So no doubt, every time there is a epidemic in a particular country or a pandemic that affects a larger region of the world, that's where you want to be dispensing the World Health Organization. Well, in between the epidemics and the pandemics and, and the things that we see in different African countries or in different South Asian countries or the bird flu or SARS or anything else, the World Health Organization is quite busy. And they're quite busy putting out reams and reams of reports. They're putting together entire treaties. And the goal of these treaties are these things that are called non-communicable diseases. And this is something that uh, New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg is himself a huge fan of. And if anyone remembers the tenure of Michael Bloomberg as he was the mayor in New York City, they called him Mayor Big Gulp for a reason. Uh, he actually went out of his way and made it uh, part of his administration there in the nation's largest city to ban Big Gulps, large sodas, uh, trying to pass all types of sugar taxes. And it's that same attitude that is carried throughout all of the the entire countries that are part of the World Health Organization, because while Michael Bloomberg for us is, you know, a New York mayor and a guy who, you know, blew hundreds of millions of dollars on a terribly doomed presidential race uh, here recently, around the world, he's actually one of the biggest money makers. And his organization is Bloomberg Philanthropies. And what they do is they go around the world, they partner with the World Health Organization, and they coax all of these different health agencies, much like our own FDA, to raise taxes on things like vaping or tobacco, to try to restrict alcohol sales, to try to make advertising restrictions on sugary cereals, to try to do soda taxes. And it's so much so that Michael Bloomberg won the title of the Global Ambassador for Non-Communicable Diseases. And all the money that Bloomberg has thrown at the World Health Organization and that has been matched by countries like the United States and the United Kingdom and many others, they've actually now grown to be this behemoth that is essentially trying to export the nanny state throughout the entire world. And that's what we started seeing a lot more in around 2014, 2015, is seeing that the World Health Organization was not spending its time and resources in discovering how we can stop the next Ebola outbreak in a different African country or how we can stop bird flu happening in a particular Southeast, uh, Southeast Asian country. Instead, they were putting all their resources into trying to make vaping illegal, into trying to make sure that alcohol sales were restricted. And all of this at the same time that we actually had a real health crisis that was happening in Wuhan, China. And I think my this is sort of my proposition is that because the World Health Organization was so focused on all these other topics, uh, they've even talked about how video games are an epidemic. They've done all of that and they kept their eye off the ball, had no clue what was going on in China. They didn't investigate. They were not allowed in any of that. They, they did not hold China accountable and that is why the World Health Organization was a complete failure. And that's why we supported Donald Trump when he pulled the United States out of the World Health Organization, which is a voluntary treaty that any country can join. 
And now we criticize Joe Biden for rejoining with absolutely no conditions, no concessions, nothing about all these different mission creeps that they're into, nothing about the uh, huge travel bill that they get flying around the world in elite uh, first class, none of that. None of that was required of the Joe Biden administration. It was very, very disappointing. And all we're going to see now is more of the Bloomberg agenda when it comes to various countries and their health policies. It means less lifestyle freedom for many people in these countries. And it's something that I think a lot of people just need to understand that we might have bad policies in, in our cities and our states in the United States, but there's a lot of money that's made to try to take these and export them around the world, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not to say there isn't uh, you know, a place to have uh, conversations surrounding you know the health impacts of drinking sugary drinks or you know utilizing uh, tobacco or vape products. We're just uh, you know highlighting the fact that if you you have a World Health Organization, people dedicated to you know the overall health of the world, that there may be bigger fish to fry and uh, other things that we can be putting our attention and our dollars to, rather than you know some basic uh, you know uh, nutritional uh, types of discussions that we should all be having inside of our homes, uh, not at the global level. Yeah, exactly. You want to have global authorities coordinating on public health responses. You definitely want that. What we haven't had from the World Health Organization is that precisely. And that's why we had such an error in the beginning of, of the coronavirus is there was so much focus on these other topics that didn't even look at why they were established in the first place. Your job is to stop global pandemics. It's to stop the outbreak of disease that affects all of our lives and has now led us into this year-long crisis that really could have been stopped if all the resources had been thrown in at the very beginning. I think that is, is really what is, is the saddest part of all of this, is that we had all the research, we have all the resources, they were just pointed in the wrong direction. And uh, that really is a failure at the that seat of the World Health Organization. I would hope that the Biden administration can wake up to that a bit and they can ask a, more concessions, because the United States, I should remind you, is the largest single country uh, that sends its money to the World Health Organization. We pay the largest bill. And uh, essentially, because of that, there's a lot of influence that the United States has. Had Joe Biden said, we will rejoin under these concessions, you totally reform the way that you approach pandemics. You put more resources into that. You stop focusing on the different countries where people might have policies that <laughs> grant people a little bit of lifestyle freedom. I think that would have been a lot better. There, there may be other ways to coordinate. You know, the Doctors Without Borders do an amazing job. Uh, we might as well take the entire budget that we sent to the World Health Organization and send it to those guys, and maybe they can do a bit of a better job. Well, we got word this week, in fact, from our new Secretary of State that the U.S. would be uh, delivering uh, $200 million uh, uh, to the World Health Organization uh, for... Uh, well, in an effort to re-engage after, you know, as a, as a sign of, oh, we're invested in this uh, for the long haul uh, under the uh, new administration. Yet, I saw an article at the Washington Examiner, Biden administration has, uh, quote, deep concerns about World Health Organization investigation into coronavirus origins. Deep concerns, yet on day one of the administration, as you said, without any concession, we rejoined the World Health Organization, and uh, three weeks later, uh, we're throwing $200 million uh, to uh, the WHO. Uh, it seems like uh, you know uh, they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth here uh, as far as their involvement with this uh, group. 
Yeah, and I think this is uh, this is kind of what people wanted, right? People wanted politics as as uh, as normal, right? They wanted the the new normal yeah. of politics. They wanted things to go back to to how they were before the Trump age, and that's kind of what you're getting in the the Joe Biden administration, particularly on this issue. Is you know they'll they'll put up a little bit of rhetoric saying you know it's good. There's some investigation, this and that, but there will be zero action behind it. And it's all just rhetorical gymnastics. And I think that's very unfortunate because this really does impact people's lives. It impacts the cost of living. It impacts basically what they're able to buy, what they're able to do. And it's around the world. And we have a big role in that. And we really need to understand how it goes. I mean, Michael Bloomberg came this close to becoming the Democratic nominee. Uh, he, he did fail out in the end. But I tell you, this is the kind of stuff that I know it's complicated. I know it's complex. I know it seems like this is... Uh, next level, and we have absolutely no sort of uh, power to change it, but we actually do. And it starts with holding those in the administration accountable. It starts with discussing with your congressmen. You know, they they take phone calls, by the way, and they take emails. And if you have some concerns about this, you are free to write them, and we would very much encourage you to do that. That's what I'm doing basically on a daily basis on a host of issues. We're trying to keep our elected leaders accountable and making sure that they continue to allow us to choose and to have our lifestyle freedom. Because uh, at the end of the day, you know, if all this is enacted, more taxes are passed, we have less choice. Uh, there's not going to be too many people left to defend us. Yael Lasowski with the Consumer Choice Center with us. Uh, you can find out more about their work at consumerchoicecenter.org. Yael, alongside his tag team partner, David Clement, they host the Consumer Choice Radio Show, which airs uh, 10 a.m. Saturday mornings here on the Big Talker FM. Yael, we have, of course, you know, been following the world of social media, the digital space, and big tech. They've been in the news just a bit as of late. What's going on you know, worldwide, internationally, as it, as it pertains to you know, some of these social media giants, such as Facebook and others? Well, there's a very interesting story coming out of uh, Australia, down under, and uh, what they've got going on is they actually came together in their parliament and their senate, and they wanted to pass something that's known as a link tax. So essentially, this is a movement that was pushed by the large media outlets in Australia. They saw all these people sharing content on social media that came from their newspapers and their links. And instead of the advertising dollars going to these newspapers, they were going to things like Google and Facebook. So the big media outlets, the huge TV stations, the large print newspapers, they all came together and they pushed the Australian Parliament to pass this link tax. And what that would mean is that every time that you would share a link on things like Facebook or on Google that money would have to go from Facebook to the news outlet in order to have it appear. This is a link tax. It's being discussed in Canada and the United Kingdom, and there are actually some murmurs in the United States that they're going to do this as well. So Google, uh, they said, okay, fine. You know, We'll set up our own little news uh, hub on our site, and people are able to share news. Facebook, however, took a different track, and they said, no way. And they actually shut down the ability to share news stories from Australian sources on Facebook. And it happened overnight. I see a, a lot of my Australian friends who are down under were not able to share links anymore. I had to take screenshots and PDFs and send them to them. And this is what happens when your government tries to pass a regulation that will definitely harm consumers, that will definitely harm many of us who use social networks. 
this is the blowback. And I know there's a, a lot of people who might view this as uh, Facebook, uh, some kind of takeover, or but this is a perfect and natural reaction to government overstepping its bounds and to try to really rig the game in favor of the legacy news outlets. That world is gone. We're in the digital age. We're in the new era. And to see that the government was, in Australia's instance, really doing a favor for the large media outlets. I mean, if this happened in the U.S., it's not that Big Talker would get some big payment, Joe. This would all go to New York Times and Washington Post, and it would be at the expense of the little guy, of independent media, of small stations, and all the consumers who end up having to pay for this. Yael Lasowski with us from the Consumer Choice Center. Yael, earlier this week, uh, there was a congressional hearing in regards to uh, GameStop and the stock uh, that went up. And then, uh, well, they shut it off because the everyday uh, uh, folks out there uh, were coming together to knock off the Wall Street uh, dogs uh, up in uh, New York. And uh, what did we find out from uh, our politicians this week as they navigated into some seas that they were unfamiliar with, similarly to what we see, you know, when, when they bring in uh, Jack Dorsey and, uh, you know, Zuckerberg from Facebook and Twitter. You know, you've got basically the 25-year-old staffers uh, putting the cliff notes down for, you know, the 75-year-old white hair that's been in Washington for 45 years and has no idea how social media works. And then there are the ones that are going to be setting the restrictions you know, for some of these, uh, you know, big tech, technology, uh, technology companies, you know, what do we find out about, uh, you know, their investigation into the GameStop uh, trading that made so much news a couple of weeks back? Well, and I'll say this, Joe, this is an exclusive for the big talker. You know, I sit through these eight hour hearings. Uh, I do it so you don't have to. And uh, here to give you a summary and a resume. So this is all about the GameStop stuff. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And it was, you know, questions about these new apps that allow people to invest in the stock market. Now, I use a lot of this. Um, The market just opened here about 25 minutes ago. I've kept an eye on my stocks. But what these apps have done, they've allowed everyday Joe Sixpacks to log on to buy small portions of Apple or Google or Tesla or any company that you want. You're able to use these apps and there's no commission and it actually works great for consumers. And the model that Robinhood, which is the app in question, uses is that essentially they route all of these trades to a particular high-frequency trader, and that way you pay no commission, they get paid on that transaction, and everyone gets paid if they win and everybody loses if uh, the market goes down. But what was on display on Capitol Hill is every single person on the House Financial Committee And we also have our own North Carolina Congressman Patrick McHenry on there um, outside of the Charlotte area. And what they're all discussing or trying to figure out is whether we should pass a tax on every single financial transaction in the market, which would be ruinous. It would be a terrible idea. Uh, But it seemed that every Democrat who was there and even some Republicans were liking the idea of putting a tax on every single stock transaction. It's a really bad idea. It means that Everyday investors, uh, people like you and me, we would not be able to do that. We couldn't afford it. Uh, The only reason that Robinhood works so well as an app is because it is very user-friendly and it's commission-free. You know, back in the day when I tried to buy a stock at whatever brokerage, it would cost me sometimes 5 or $8 per trade. And that means in order to make it worth it, you'd have to spend two or $300, 
with Robinhood, people are investing two or three dollars in into stocks sometimes. And that's great. And that model works. And it's really the embodiment of consumer choice. Unfortunately, many elected leaders up there in D.C. were just not having it. They don't like the idea that there is a company that's providing a service that consumers are willingly using. Uh, so there is a lot of calls from many people like AOC to call for a financial transaction tax. That was not good. A lot of questions around Wall Street, which I think are always very appropriate. These are very powerful entities. But overall, we did not learn very much apart from the fact that maybe this new tax will, will come into force. We're not really sure. But uh, in the battle between the little guys and uh, big government, uh, you definitely know where the Consumer Choice Center is going to be. So that's uh, definitely how we come in on that. Definitely how we come in on that. So what you're saying is uh, the elite are going to elite, and uh, you and me are left uh, with uh, what? Uh, ungats, as uh, my grandma might say. It, everyone makes it seem as if passing one of these taxes would hurt the big guys. But that's not true. It would actually hurt you and me. It would hurt... Um, you know, your, your Uncle Steve, who might be just logging on to the brokerage twice a month to check stocks or invest in something. And it means that we, as the little people, have no incentive to go on these platforms because then they're really expensive. It costs us too much. There's too much compliance. Look, the, the entire idea of a stock market is something that is beautiful and incredible. And, in, and really, we've perfected it in the United States. We should continue to support that because it's not just the fat cats on Wall Street. It's all of our pension plans. It's many of us who have our own uh, 401ks. You know, this is not an area that, that's just reserved for the elites in New York. There's a lot of stuff that's happening with retail investing, with people who are learning about stocks and equities and options and really how money works. And it's that financial literacy that we need a lot more of in this country. I think it's something you covered in the last segment that people are learning real skills by going to various programs. You know, this is actually the future and it's the way we should continue to build our society because I think that brings us more hope for, for its optimism, its innovation, and I think it's the way to go for the future. Yael Lasowski on point this morning across a number of topics here and covering news all around the world as they do at the Consumer Choice Center, the global grassroots movement for consumer choice at consumerchoicecenter.org. Yael, try and enjoy your weekend, my friend. Uh, I know it's difficult uh, out there in Vienna. Uh, at least, uh, you know, you get to spend some time with the wife and the kid, a little more time, and a little bit more oh, yeah. time, and a little bit more time. No, no, no. <laughs> no worries. The snow is melting. The sun will be out. Uh, you know, we'll be trekking across the city, so we'll, we'll have a good time there. All right. Good talking to you, brother. Talk to you next week. All right. See you then, Joe. That's Yael Lasowski from the Consumer Choice Center with us as we round out the show here on this Friday, a Freedom Friday here on the Big Talker FM.